The views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. It was a man. Well, of course it was a man. When did you ever hear of a female assassin? Wait, come on. There are always going to be counter-revolutionaries threatened by any change in the status quo. They think if men regain control, wars will resume, children will be killed. You really can't blame them for reacting like this, Professor. You imposed your value system on people who just aren't ready for it. The men of this world are laboring under a political system that is every bit as onerous as that of communist China. Now, if I can advance the cause of equality, or even raise public awareness of the issue, then I shall consider my time here well spent. He's flipped. On the contrary, Miss Wells, I have never been more sane. The question is, what do I do now? It's obvious. You withdraw from the race. I can't withdraw from the race. Not after the consciousness that I've raised. I mean, think of the example it would set. It would be generations before another man would dare raise his head. Now, I haven't a chance of winning this election, but if I, if I can make a reasonable showing, let others pick up the standard so that future generations may benefit. There's no talking you out of this, is there? No, Mr. Mallory. There is not. Good morning, London. It's Thursday, February 26, 2015. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM, where we will be with you from now till noon. No, it's not right wing. It's just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be and welcome to our show today, Robert Vaughn taking a break for today and giving me the hour to summarize some of the issues that I've been talking about on several past episodes of our broadcasts of Just Right. Two seemingly separate issues seem to have hit a crescendo in the same week, this week. And they were both issues that we've been almost the only public outlet to predict or discuss them in light of the big picture of which they are both a part. As we were the first to publicly predict, the issue of affirmative consent has become the centerpiece of Kathleen Wynne's update to Ontario's sex ed curriculum, which was released this past Monday, catching a lot of people off guard, but still I think most people don't get it, or uh, how significant the effects of that concept can be. We'll be talking about that in the last portion of our show today, but it's still all part of our single and very shady theme today. What I'm talking about in that sense is our first part of the show is going to be about shady characters. Our second part, 33 shades of one allegation, 50 shades of gray in the th- third part, and two shades of black and white as we close off the show. Now, if you've been following our uh, our whole co- co- coverage over the past several shows, actually we started in November, and it all began with the Bill Cosby issue. Believe it or not, as remarkable as it may seem, our discovery of this whole affirmative consent idea came about when I first began to discuss and cover the Bill Cosby controversy. And as the trail of evidence behind the allegations led me along, uh, next thing I know, I'm, I'm finding myself a Queen's Park. And at first, I, like most people, came to believe that this whole Bill Cosby thing was, I mean, he was a real some kind of sexual criminal of some sort. And that's no longer what I think. I think there's something else going on here. 
by my count, there are now officially 33 women who have come forward to accuse Bill Cosby of something, though none of them seems to have an accurate memory of their usually decades or several decades or more old alleged events. And the chickens have come home to roost. Three of these allegers have filed a lawsuit claiming that Cosby defamed them. Get that, defamed them because he denied their claims. So they're in a law, law court now uh, suing Cosby because he's saying that he's innocent and that they're not telling the truth. And therefore, that's defamation the way they look at it. This is from Global News, February 25th. Cosby lawyers seek to get defamation lawsuit dismissed by Philip Marcello of the Associated Press. And this is out of Boston. Bill Cosby's lawyers said Tuesday they will ask a federal judge to throw out a defamation lawsuit filed by three women accusing him of decades-old sexual offenses. The lawyers said in a legal brief they plan to file their motion to dismiss by Friday, and that's tomorrow they're talking about. So whether this has happened yet or will happen or how it will turn out, we won't know till after tomorrow. One of the women, Tamara Green, a California lawyer who says Cosby drugged and sexually assaulted her in the 70s, originally brought the lawsuit in December 2014. Two women from Florida later joined the suit. Therese Seregonis says Cosby drugged and raped her in 1976, and Lin Linda Traits alleges he tried to drug her and then sexually groped her in 1970. The women argue that Cosby publicly branded them as liars through statements by his representatives. So even what his lawyers are saying, they're, they're, they're saying, well, you know, <laughs> that's worth suing over. They seek an unspecified amount of money for compensatory and punitive damages. Their lawyers have said the civil action also allows them to have their allegations heard since criminal statutes of limitations have expired. Now, isn't that clever? Trying to get a lawsuit so you can get your allegations back into a courtroom, even though you can't do anything about them, but you get them on some kind of record, I guess. Cosby has denied wrongdoing and hasn't been charged with any crime. And, of course, they get into the whole story about how Cosby starred as Cliff Huxtable on The Cosby Show, etc., etc. The Cosby's team statement uh, says that it will ask for the lawsuit's dismissal came in a status update filed jointly by Cosby's lawyers and the lawyers for the three women. The sides have been in talks this month to resolve a number of issues related to the lawsuit, according to the filing. Cosby's motion to dismiss and deal with any issues that by that time have not been resolved through conference between sides, says the brief, uh, which proposes other deadlines in the case. So this could go on for ages if they haven't uh, done anything. Apparently they have until March 20th to reply, etc., etc. So as I said, this would not, um, I mean, this is not going away. Now, of course, we've covered a lot of these allegers over the past several shows. If you go back far enough, we started, um, actually, we started doing this way back in, uh, where was the first one? November 27th. You can check our shows out online at justrightmedia.org. And shows 378, 82, and uh, 83, 84, 85, and 86, we ran at least a part of those shows where we, d where we covered the Cosby issue. And we started dealing first with the issues of, you know, guilt before innocence and all that sort of thing. And then, it, then I got intrigued by the actual allegations themselves. And we covered several of them and in detail and gave like 15 minutes or more 
to many of them. So I just wanted to review quickly to, to give us a sense of what is going on here, the ones that we have covered so far, and then we're going to get into some new ones after the break, because two more came forward in the past couple of weeks. And then there's the three involved in this lawsuit, whom I haven't really taken a closer look at yet, but they all fit the same pattern that I established many shows ago. And I said, well, look, at this is the pattern they fit into. Not a, It's not about Cosby, it's about the women, more about the kind of allegers. And in the past, we have already taken a quick look at about a half dozen of them, if not more. Lachelle Covington we covered, and she was the one who told at least three different stories to three different sources, including the police, to whom she told nothing about uh, what she'd actually told the tabloids. And even her family and twin sister denied that her story had any merit. In fact, the first time Cosby heard about her story was when it was all over and printed in the pages of the National Enquirer. And we covered that one on January 15th. She's the one who accused Cosby of, quote, hanky-panky. Then there's Sean Brown, who also went by the name Sean Upshaw, says she was in a consensual relationship with Cosby in 1973, but still says uh, that he drugged and raped her at a house in Beverly Hills. Uh, her daughter, Autumn Jackson, was jailed in 1998 for attempting to extort the comedian, who Brown believes to be Jackson's father. Now, you know, what happened then, of course, was as we looked into it, and we spent a lot more time than these quick summaries uh, on our previous shows, but apparently Autumn Jackson, back uh, two days after Bill Cosby's son was murdered, uh, and her male companion were arrested in Los Angeles after they flew there to extort $24 million from Cosby in exchange for not revealing that he was her father. At following a, an extramarital affair with her mother, Sean Upshaw, in the mid-70s. Now, Cosby, of course, admitted to that affair, even set up a trust fund for the daughter, but he says it's not the, his daughter. And he denied that she was his daughter, and, of course, the daughter herself and the mother refused to take a paternity test to make sure if it was his daughter or not and was eventually conv convicted of extortion and sentenced to 22 months in prison. Then there was Carla Ferrigno, who uh, had spoken to Rumor Fix, who just got off the phone with her, and, and she said that Cosby kissed her at a party when she was in a teenager in 1967. And that was the sum total of her, uh, of her complete <laughs> uh, complaint. Just unbelievable that she's on that list. Joyce Emmons says that also, now she, her story was interesting because she never saw Bill Cosby ever do drugs or drink, uh, but kept saying he had a drawer of drugs, including quaaludes. Uh, interestingly, her, in, her test, in her own story, and by the way, all these stories are from the alleger's stories themselves. I'm not getting them from anywhere else. That's all we have to go on. It is the court of public opinion. Let's keep that in mind. And she says women were frequently around Bill and would often take the drug knowingly and voluntarily. Also says men partied with the drugs as well. And she's the one that woke up in the morning in, Cosby's, in one of Cosby's suites with one of his friends, someone who tried unsuccessfully hitting on her earlier in the evening. But interestingly, she's not making any claims against the friend who she woke up in bed with, um, since he's the one she thinks, thinks had sex with her, but she doesn't know. But she's going after Cosby because, of course, he's the guy with the money. And we know nothing about this other person. And that's just suspicious right on the face of it. And, um, of course, it just, get, it just gets funnier and funnier as it goes on. Um, my cynical guess is that Cosby's friend doesn't have the kind of money or fame that Cosby has. And, you know, it's just amazing how ir irresponsible some of these women have even described their own, ask, their own questions and their actions. And 
And there was Chloe Goines, who was uh, number 26 in Slate.com's list of 30 allegers, which has gotten larger. She's the one that tried to implicate both Cosby and Hugh Hefner some, uh, at an event at the Playboy Mansion. And, uh, of course, since then, apparently it took place August 9th, 2008. And since then, Cosby's lawyers have demonstrated that he wasn't even near the place on August 9th. In fact, quote, the party took place on August 9th. Mr. Cosby was in New York on that date. We will be providing documentary evidence to the appropriate authorities which conclusively established Mr. Cosby's whereabouts on that date and the preceding and successive days, Cosby's attorney, Martin Singer, said in a statement. Now, you, you know, one thing I notice is that when the lawyers release their um, their you know, response to these allegations. You might he see it printed once, the full story, but after that, all, this, all that the papers print is uh, Cosby's lawyers have denied the allegations, but they don't tell you details like, well, he was actually here that night, and, and there were a lot of witnesses, and they saw him there. Nobody ever follows through on that issue. Then there was Beth Ferrier, who we covered, and we find out that she phoned up the National Enquirer after she read one story, and then they paid her 7500 bucks to tell another story. And this, again, was, you know, 21 years earlier. And she said she worked as a model, had no memory of what happened. And, um, you know, she says she passed a lie detector test about her claims. Well, what's to lie about if you have no memory and all you can say is that you woke up in your back of your car all alone and Bill said that she just had too much to drink? And that was the whole story, but she's convinced that something happened. And then there was Sidra Ladd who said that she didn't say anything for several decades because, well, it was a different time and date rape was a concept that didn't exist. But, of course, as we pointed out on that past show, non-consensual sex was a concept that existed, and if she'd gone to the police or reported that someone gave her a drug and raped her while unconscious, um, they certainly would have laid charges. And on top of that, she felt insulted that Cosby did not remember her <laughs> later on. And then, of course, there's Catherine McKee, who was the ex-girlfriend of Sammy Davis Jr., called herself his road wife, while Sammy's actual wife stayed at home when they were on the road. And she was apparently friends with Cosby and the gang for, like, over eight years. Said she had sex with Cosby in the doorway of his hotel room going out into the hall. Um nothing coercive about it except that it surprised her and then she says later she says quote i was mad at my own self for saying for not saying why didn't i stop it and why didn't i get it get him away from me but it happened too fast and i had the guilt why did i go there i questioned myself it was a rape but it seems strange to call it that well that's because it wasn't and all these words are being redefined and that's what the story is all about and of course central to all of this is attorney Gloria Allred, who is spearheading the case against Cosby, and she's the one involved in the case that's being heard this weekend. And uh, she said she's heard from more women, but declined to give a number. She says, I commend these women, she said in her own statement, adding, and I can assure Mr. Cosby that while these alleged victims are not the first to speak out, they will also not be the last to do so because, now listen to this, women are now empowered and refuse to suffer in silence. Well, that's an important statement. It speaks volumes. It means, really, that women now can libel and slander without evidence, just ancient allegations, without fearing some kind of legal restriction or recourse. And that's just a dangerous place to be all the way around. 
And uh, that's where we are today. And of course, she was bringing out more of these people. And two of them we're going to hear about in this next report as we go to this break. Cosby really is. Linda Brown is one of two more women who have come forward with accusations against Bill Cosby. She says she met the comedian in 1969 and went to his hotel room where he gave her a soft drink that caused her to black out. But when I awakened, I was naked in the bed beside him. I had no idea how my clothes came off or how or why I was in his bed. I was shocked and had no clue as to how I got there or why Mr. Cosby was beside me under the covers. I couldn't move or speak. I felt paralyzed. He flipped me over and sexually assaulted me. I felt like a rag doll and like a real-life blow-up doll for him. Lisa Lottie Lublin says Cosby gave her two alcoholic drinks that caused her to feel disoriented. She says she remembers waking up at her home and not knowing how she got there. Bill Cosby made me a victim, but every victim that Bill Cosby assaulted, who has been called a whore and a liar, has helped me to become a survivor. More than a dozen women in recent months have publicly accused Cosby of sexual misconduct. Cosby denies the allegations, many of which go back decades and fall outside the statute of limitations. Shows up right there's nobody coming out. Cannot be denied. You're good. Oh, thanks. No, I mean, you're really good. What are you <laughs> doing singing for small change? Well, my friends and I just got into town and ran a little short of cash. So, uh, I thought I'd take advantage of my gift. <laughs> gift. That's a good word for it. <laughs> I'm Sarita Braxton. Rembrandt Brown. Well, Rembrandt. I'm kind of in the music business myself. I could introduce you to some record producer friends of mine. They're always looking for new talent. No, really? I mean, <laughs> will you do that for me? Why don't we discuss it over lunch? Hop in. <laughs> oh. Hey, I'm all yours. <laughs> Not yet, honey, but you will be. And that report earlier was from the Daily Mail UK on Cosby. And uh, this is from the International Business Times, February 12th, by Morgan Windsor. Bill Cosby allegations Linda Brown and Lee Slot Lublin accused Cosby of drugging them, which was the story we just heard. And, of course, t they say two more women have publicly accused Bill Cosby of drugging them when they met years ago. And the, those were the two, and, of course, they were at their... Uh, Los Angeles office of Gloria Allred, who's always sitting in the middle of this, who said the decades-old claims fall outside the statute of limitations. Brown told reporters she met the, young, the, the comedian as a young model in 1969 in Canada. She allegedly went back to Cosby's hotel suite where he offered a soft drink. Then she said she blacked out and woke up naked next to him in bed. And again, you heard the comments that she just made about being, you know, uh, felt like a rag doll and like a real blow-up doll for him. Very dramatic and very, uh, you know, very interesting comments to make. Um, 
and of course they're the latest. The, the, the papers keep saying they're the latest in, in more than a dozen women who have come forward in recent months. It's more than that. The count's actually up to 33, and they haven't all come forward recently, except through the, the actions of these lawyers who, are, who have an actual different agenda on the go. And, um, but that's the issue. Now, one thing that's very interesting about these cases is that what's, it's not what's in the report, but often what's missing. Uh, very often, you know, it's been pointed out to me that no mention of whether or not they said no or resisted was, is ever really said. They just talk about how they felt at the time. Uh, one of the reports doesn't even report any contact that she can detect or remember because she said, you know, she doesn't remember him actually touching her. Uh, the other says he turned her over and did all that. But again, even if you're unable to do so at the time of the alleged offense, that doesn't mean that as soon as your disorientation wears off, or even before, that you can not say anything. It's, it's just really kind of interesting in that sense. But it, again, these two women fit the exact template of the type of women that Gloria Allred is looking for to launch her lawsuit against Bill Cosby. And we'll give a summary of that in, shortly. Now, here are the three mentioned in the opening of our show today. There's Tamara Green. She's a former fashion model and ex-wife of the Wild Bunch screenwriter Waylon Green has come forward to claim in any oracle willing to give her ink that the comedian drugged and forced him himself on her over 30 years ago. Green announced that she has the names of three other women who will testify to almost identical stories. I'm sure she does. And, of course, she says that Cosby offered her some pills that, that he says he told her were contact. I read the larger version of this story, and it's very interesting. But ten minutes after taking the pills, she reports that she was really stoned, I mean really smashed. And then Cosby offered to drive her home, and when they got to her apartment, she alleges that he attacked her by attempting to take off her clothes, and she had to fight him off, and he was kissing her. And then after she started screaming, he finally let go, and she says as a final indignity, Tamara alleges that he dropped $200 bills on her end table and left, and that infuriated me, she said. And then, of course, Sean Upshaw, the mother of Cosby's discredited love child, Autumn Jackson, also told the National, National Enquirer, I was put in the same position with Bill. Now, if you're going to compare Sean Upshaw to this person and you're in the same position, then, sorry, I, I can't take both of your ser stories too seriously because this was the woman who, whose daughter went to jail for 22 months for the extortion attempts and who refused to do a paternity test to test anything out. It's just like, you know, they want to have their cake and eat it too, but no evidence is going to come into the courtroom no matter what. And then there's Linda Joy Traits. You know where her story originated? on Facebook, on her own Facebook post, November 17th, and she says that she assault, that Cosby assaulted her when she was 19, working at a restaurant where, that Cosby was partially owner of, she was a waitress there, and she alleges that Cosby offered her a ride home from the restaurant, but instead drove her to a beach and tried to force her to take pills to help her relax. And he said that he, you know, he pushed her down and tried to get on top of her, now, what's interesting about this woman is that she has a criminal record. It includes imprisonment on drug trafficking convictions. And that's been brought out into the public by Marty Singer, Cos one of Cosby's lawyers, and that's probably why she's one of the people on this lawsuit. And uh, his lawyer apparently passed on her lengthy rap sheet as an indication of her character. Numerous arrests speckle traits his rap sheet, including suspicion of theft, battery, and types of deception, fraud, and impersonation, often in connection with drug possession. And then there's Teresa Serignes. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but she told Huffington Post over the phone that, uh, you know, she, was, she had a chance encounter with, with Cosby at a Hilton gift shop. 
And he just came up to her and put his arms around her and from the back and said, hey, will you marry me? And she turned around. It's very important that that's not the definition of consent, what they're talking about. It could be a partial one. Of course, saying no means you don't consent, but not in all cases. But the issue is, you know, consent does not really imply agreement or support. There is, of course, an age of consent with knowledge being the key to one's being able to consent, as was acknowledged by our own already existing legal definitions, that if you aren't capable of the knowledge or don't have the knowledge necessary to consent to something, even if you say yes, yes doesn't mean yes. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. You know, a person who has had voluntary sex with someone, but knowingly did not tell that person, say, that they have AIDS or some other sexually communicable disease, did not have consensual sex with that partner, even if he heard a verbal yes. Uh, Having a verbal yes to that encounter would not constitute consent uh, under our current laws and operative principles. See, we're already protected from these things. You'd always have to be thinking about asking the right question if you always had to have a yes for an answer. <coughs> oh, do you have AIDS? Do you have herpes? Do you have syphilis? Do you have to go through every one of these things? Or saying yes could be claimed to be coerced. Well, I said yes because he was threatening me. Again, if true, it wouldn't be consent, even under our current concept of consent. So why do we need to change it? And you cannot have both standards of consent existing side by side. One is a contradiction to the other. You know, and, and, and that's the problem here. One is saying that, well, here's our legal definition of consent. This is what it actually is. And apparently you can't consent unless you can talk. You have to be verbally able to say yes to everything. Now, of course, that's all totally unworkable. This is a, a, a legal fantasy they just put in the book so that they can use it in a court of law or in front of a human rights commission or wherever they might decide to set up some kind of board or, or tribunal to hear these kinds of of issues that will come up in the future. That will be very interesting to see where that leads. Meanwhile, uh, you know, as the press release said, a lot of the other people around this whole sex ed issue are getting completely distracted by issues like, uh, you know, same-sex marriages, homosexuality, heterosexuality. Are these things really relevant at grade three and, and, and sexual identity issues? Um, teaching kids about facial expressions, you know, like that's not about safety and it can often confuse children. Uh, and you think pedophiles don't know how to use facial expressions to, to lure children and impress children? I mean, pedophiles come from all social groups of society. And one thing about children, I don't know how many kids you've raised, but children, young, young children, do not understand anything, even if they tell you they know it. And even if they do know it, They may know about sex, but they don't possess the broader knowledge or experience necessary to understand what they know. I might know the sun's up there, but I don't know why it's there or how it works. That You know, you have to learn those things. These are different things, especially for the very young. And you can explain to a very young child all you want, that they shouldn't go with strangers, and they'll acknowledge that they understand you, and then all of a sudden you're shocked that they walk away with a stranger because somebody talked them into something or, or, or said something friendly. Clearly, they didn't understand because they didn't have the experience on which to draw. And when we look at the end of, uh, again, here are some specific quotes from the Ontario curriculum, just a few samples. By the end of grade six, uh, students will have will be making informed decisions and demonstrate respect for themselves, etc. And they say, being respectful but clear about your ideas and feelings, listening actively, interpreting body language, tone of voice, and facial expressions. I don't know that most kids by 
by grade six even really understand their own feelings and can't be too clear about them all the time. I've, I've seen kids a lot older than that that are very confused about their feelings and don't know where they stand in life. They also say it's important to ask for consent at every stage. It's communicated, not assumed. You know, you can ask your partner simple questions uh, to be sure that they want to continue. Do you want to do this? Do you want to stop? You know, and they're going, you're going to ask your partner? Like in grade six, is that what they're talking about? And before, you're, ta- you're talking about having partners? So I can see why some of the parents are certainly upset about the age inappropriateness of all of this. And, of course, there's the issue of... Uh, lack of protest or resistance does not mean consent nor does silence. Well, I'm sorry, it does. If someone's doing something to you and you let them do it, you're consenting. This happens all the time. So I suppose the bottom line here is that our educators on the subject of consent are teaching mostly what consent is not. So-called affirmative consent is a dangerous, irrational rule book, not a set of principles that accurately reflect both reality and tested, tried, and true human moral codes of behavior. Consent is a condition where coercion and fraud are absent, and each person in a relationship has the freedom to continue or cease that relationship. So, you know, how ironic, you know, if you think about it, that most political activity outside of the sexual field, consists of finding ways to violate consent, from forcing us, uh, you know, into monopoly health care systems, monopoly education systems, monopoly power systems, monopoly alcohol and beer stores, and a host of many other such violations, to say nothing of the nature of income and property taxes themselves. And the elephant in the room, of course, that no one talks about, is the fact that we have a government-funded state monopoly in education. It is heavily unionized and the entire state education system is the critical source of all the left-wing thinking that permeates today's society from top to bottom. Of course, that's a show for another day. We're just dealing with some of the symptoms right now. And here's what I wish would happen. Consent should rule in the economic sphere as much as it should in the field of human sexuality. And in fact, if anything, maybe there is where we should apply the government's new standards where you have to ask, yes, uh, you want to buy this, yes or no? (laughs) Not, here, you're buying this whether you want to buy it or not. So economically, I guess you could say that we live in a rape culture, don't we? If the day ever arrives that we do embrace the concept of consent by actually practicing it consistently and rationally, then we wouldn't have to be worried about what the government is teaching in our schools or worried about being publicly libeled and slandered in the so-called court of public opinion. And, well, that's my private opinion for today, February 26th. And that's it for today. So join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. Until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. To black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be alright More champagne all around Champagne all around <laughs> A pleasant evening With a pleasant company Frozen Mmm, wonderful Now, may I propose a toast? <laughs> to strong men and weak women <laughs> The crown is so clever at parties <laughs>